As I was preparing this message, the Lord was giving me the download of that which I should be talking about. And it was uh, some of us, maybe all of us, uh, today, I know at one time all of us, and maybe in the future of all of us, but maybe some of you today are dealing with some circumstances that are not so favorable. Circumstances you would have never chosen to, if you had to pick and sign up at a, at a table and line up and sign up for this class, you would have never signed up for this class. You would have never signed up for this event. You would have never signed up for this circumstance. It's something that's not uh, something that's bringing joy in your life. And, uh, and the Lord just kept showing me there's ways that we can turn our situation around. There's ways that we can see what the enemy meant for evil get turned for good. Now, there are many ways, and if you study the Bible, you'll find probably hundreds of ways. But we're going to be looking at three ways today, three things needed to turn around your situation, to turn your situation around. And, uh, and I pray that before you leave here, you will embrace these three, you will activate these three, and you will begin to see a turnaround in a negative situation in your life before you even get home today. So right now, with anticipation, I want you to say, this is going to be a great week. Okay, some of you really, coffee people, bring in the coffee. <laughs> this is going to be a great week. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I want you to turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. That's a good place to start off. And uh, what I did here, this, I didn't literally do it, but this represents what I did in my head. I took the headlines from my life, and some of the headlines from my life were not so positive. There was a time I was really sick in my body. I took those headlines. There was a time I tried to commit suicide. I took that headline. There was a time I was in great poverty, and I took that headline. There was a time when I was so discouraged and depressed, and I took that headline. There was a time when it seemed like they, uh, relationships just were not working in my favor and they were really heart-wrenching and I took those headlines and instead of letting all those negative headlines dominate my life, I cut letters out from each one and I put together this verse. Now, I didn't physically do this, but this is what I did in my mind and I wanted something to portray it and here it is, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And this is God speaking to you and God speaking to me. And he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. I don't know about you, but I'm just excited that God's got a plan for my life. That I'm God, that I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not just here, just passing through. That God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you, and that declares the Lord, they're plans to prosper you. Man, what an awesome God. What a loving God that His plans for us are not to harm us. They're not to set us back. They're not to make us miserable. They're not to put us in pain and put us in, in heartbreak. His plans are to prosper us and not harm us, He says. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And the literal translation in the Hebrew there would be to give you a future that you hope for. God has plans to prosper you and to give you the future that you hope for. So I'm here to encourage you today that there may be circumstances and situations and headlines of your life that have been less than favorable. You do what I did in my mind and you cut the letters from the negative headlines of your life and you put together this verse for the remaining part of your life and say things are going to change. I'm going to line up with the plan of God for my life. I'm going to get in step with 
what God wants to do in my life. And I'm going to prosper and I'm going to be in health and I'm going to be fruitful and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to serve God with all that I have from this day forward. Hallelujah. So we were opened up talking about three things that you may need to do to turn your situation around. So let's get together and discover these three things needed to turn your situa situation around. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 and following, I believe will help set up the first one for us. Now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb. Can you imagine? All he knew, all he knew was being lame. All he knew was the inability to care for himself. His whole life, that's all he knew, was heartbreak. And he was carried there and laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask of alms of those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Underline that if you have your Bible. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but that which I do have I give to you. In the name of Buddha. No. In the name of Muhammad. No power there. In the name of this or that. Or the, no power there. But in the name of Jesus, there's power. In the name of Jesus, there's power. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. He said, I'm not here to give you a hand out. I'm here in the name of Jesus to give you a hand up. Hallelujah. And a hand out of what all you've known since your mother's womb being lame. So now he's leaping up. He stood and he walked and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that there would be some today that would take your hand and be lifted up out of their negative circumstance and lifted up out of their uh, 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 situation that the enemy has held them under. And Lord, Lord God, that this would be a week where wonder and amazement, Lord God, would be in the eyes and the hearts and the minds of the witnesses who would see folks under the sound of my voice right now experiencing heaven on earth, miracle manifesting in and through their body. I pray it be so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So verse 5, I said, underline this. He gave, he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. The first thing that will help turn your situation around is when you have expectation. When you have expectation. I want, you, I want to work on helping build up your expectation today. I feel like a coach. I feel like someone to come alongside you, a mentor, and say that the enemy has been trying to do everything to deflate your expectation, to get you discouraged, to make you feel like this week is going to be just like last week, and, and this week is not going to be any different. The enemy's trying to make you think that God, he's a great thing in the back of your mind, but he's not really uh, out here in the forefront of your life. I, the enemy's trying everything he can to cause you to have another week of life 
just a so-so or losing ground. I'm here, on the other hand, to stand on the Word of God and to preach the Word of God and to share the heart of God, and that is God is still on the throne. And God is almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. And He has miracles in store for you this week. He's a supernatural God. He wants the super to come on your natural, and He wants you to experience this week something amazing, something miraculous. So I'm here to help work on building up your expectation. I encourage you to expect things to get better. Starting right now, starting today, and every day for the rest of your life to start expecting things to get better. There is power in expectation. If things have been bad, and I know some of us could say they have been, they're going to get good. I want you to turn your mind right now. If it's been bad, they're going to get good. If they've been good, they're going to get great. If they've been great, they're going to become unbelievable. They're going to overtake me. Hallelujah. For the Bible says that the blessings of God are going to come and overtake you. That means the blessings of God are going to chase you down. You're not going to be able to outrun the blessings of God. They're going to tackle you. Come on now. You've been watching football and you see somebody running the ball and they come running, they'll come and tackle them. Well, the blessings of God are going to tackle you. They're going to make sure you get the blessings of God. Hallelujah. But you've got to expect it. You've got to turn on the attraction of the blessings of God by faith. And by faith, you've got to, you, it's the only way to please God is to have have faith, right? So you got to have faith to believe God, to believe His Word, to believe His promises and say, you know what? My God's a good God. My God has plans for me. He said, I know the plans that I have for you and my plans are not to harm you but to prosper, that you will prosper. He wants you to go to the next level. He wants you to promote to the next level this week. Hallelujah. So if you've had a bad day, you say right now, it is becoming a good day. And if you've had a good day, it's going to be a great day. And if you've had a great day, it's going to be coming out standing, a stupendous, overcoming, and spectacular day. We've got to start believing God for great things. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, every day we need to wake up in the morning. Don't let the morning be a time of your grouch. You ever met somebody grouchy in the morning? Don't point at them, please. Don't, don't. Till they get their cup of coffee, they're grouchy. No, you've got God when you wake up. You say, I need coffee. You, you should wake up and say, I need God. I need God. I like the flavor of coffee, but I need God. Hallelujah. We need to wake up every morning and expect things to get better. I'm here to encourage you to do that because I know there's forces fighting against that. There's forces trying to get you discouraged. There's forces trying to get you to give up. There's forces that are eroding your faith. Well, I'm here to stimulate your faith. I'm here to come and restucco and repoint and put the brick and the mortar in to make sure your faith keeps going higher and higher. Hallelujah. Because God wants it. That's who He is. That's who he is, but it's faith is our uh, currency of exchange to make for the appropriation of what God wants to get to us it, for it to come to us. So the enemy's fighting our faith. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, but there's one he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying to ruin your faith. He's trying to destroy your faith. He's trying to discourage your faith. And you say, well, I've been going through this for a long time. Look at this story. Here's a man for 40 years. He still had the courage and he still had the hope and he still had the desire to expect something from God, to expect something from Peter and John because he knew who they were. Remember, he was there every day 
all through Jesus' ministry. He was there every day. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about the disciples. He had heard about the outspoken Peter. He knew who these men were. And now he's there and they stop and they get his attention and he looks up expecting something from them. And after 40 years, I can imagine it would have been easy to keep your head down low and be all depressed and all discouraged because things had not been getting better for him. But he looked up expecting to receive something from them. The power of expectation. You may be here today and maybe it's been 40 years for you. Things haven't gotten any better for you for 40 years or what seems like 40 years. Maybe things haven't gotten better for you in 40 months or 40 weeks or 40 days. But I am here to encourage you as a man of God today and to tell you that from this man's story, he had 40 years, he had the same condition. It probably got worse and worse. The pain, I can only imagine, got worse and worse. But he's still expecting things to get better. How bad has it been for you? I know that we have some sad stories. I know that we could sit here and open up the floor and we could tell of some things that would bring tears to our eyes. And I understand that. But I'm here to tell you this. You have a God who is wanting to do great things in your future. There's a God who wants to bring you up. He wants to bring you out. He wants to bring you free. He wants to bring you through what the enemy has tried to bind and hold and, and, and squelch you with. And here, if you've been dealing with a disease for 40 years or 40 days or 40 months, I don't want you to give in and say, this disease has, has its claw in me. This disease has its root in my life. And this is just how it's always going to be. I want you to say, wait a minute. My God is greater. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my God, my healer. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's my God, my provider. He is Jehovah Sitkanu. He is Jehovah uh, Shalom. My God, my peace. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Wait a minute. Why am I sitting here not expecting something from Him? I want us to look up to Him. You remember it was Abraham who had the promise that he was going to be the father of many nations, but yet he was without a son. His wife was without a son. They were old in age they were past the childbearing years but God took him out to the edge of this ocean and he said Abraham look up look up at the stars in the sky and he says as numerous as they are so shall your seed be on the earth I'm telling you God had to encourage him God had to get him to the place that he was willing to even go and court his wife again I mean they were past the years of, of having children but he says God says come out here I need you to look up you've been holding your head down I need you to look up I'm here to tell you today as a voice from heaven God wants you to look up he wants you to look uh, to the to the hills from where your help comes from he wants you to look up and see that God still cares about you he cares about your situation he cares about your circumstance and he wants you to take and tap into what he has for you he wants you to turn your eyes on him remember the hymn that we used to sing turn your eyes on Jesus you got to look to Jesus you got to look up you can't be looking down you got to look up your miracle comes from God your deliverance comes from God your salvation comes from God your provision comes from God your help comes from the Lord we've got to look up we got to look up hallelujah praise God expect things to get better believe in and realize the power of expectation 
Always look up with expectation. Always plant your seed with expectation. And know that, you know, no farmer goes out there and invests all that time, invests all that equipment, invests all of that labor, invests all of that money, invests all that he does to get the field ready. He plows it. He harrows it. He gets it ready. Then he invests in the seed and the fertilizer. And he, plant. he doesn't do that without expectation. I grew up on a farm and planting time was a very exciting time for us because we knew that one seed, we knew what it had the potential to, to produce. And, and it was in multiplied, multiplied hundreds of, of hundredfold coming by. So when we planted it, we were already seeing the harvest, yet we were putting seed under the ground. We were already preparing to make sure that the combiners and all were ready at harvest time because we knew. We knew we were co-laboring with God. We knew we needed the rain. We knew that we needed the proper weather. We needed all of that, but we were doing our part. Now, if we had no expectation, we would have never invested in the seed. We'd have never invested in the fertilizer. We'd have never invested in the labor to get everything ready and planted, but we knew the potential in the seed. Let me tell you what, we need to once again resurrect our expectation. And I know as farmers there were some seasons the weather did not cooperate. And we didn't get a very good harvest. But you know what we did the next time it was time to plant? We did it again. Because we knew that God said as long as this earth was, there would be harvest and there would be planting and sowing and reaping as long as the earth remained. So we knew that, that okay, we had, a, we had a rough season here, but we're going to press on through. We, because we had a great expectation of the next season because we knew eventually if we just kept doing what was right, it was going to come back to us, press down shaking together and running over. That leads right into the second thing you need to do to turn your circumstance around, and that is to, in, to endure tough times. Endure tough times. There's a many a people, they give up, they give out when it comes to this. Old things didn't work in my favor. God must not want me to do this. Wait a minute. Why, why are we blaming God? Maybe the negative that came against you, think about it now, came from the enemy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, but the enemy's come but to, get, to kill, steal, and destroy. So why do we put the killing and the stealing and the dis destruction on God? And then say, I'm discouraged. God, God's not working for me, so he's working against me, so I'm just not going to do this. I'm just not going to live this way. Wait a minute. To me, if the enemy is fighting you, maybe you're going in the right direction. If the enemy is being the wind in your sails, maybe you're going in the wrong direction. If the devil's all happy with you, maybe you're on his side more than you're on God's side. Come on now. So we have to, as Christians, understand we have an enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. There's a real devil. There are real demons. And they have a real assignment against you especially if you're going to live the destiny that God has created you to live because now you're being God's example and God's representative and God's uh, uh, instrument of righteousness for His glory to cover the earth. The devil's going to fight against that. So we've got to understand that and we have to learn that we have to endure tough times. If you endure tough times, you'll experience a great future. Anybody can last for a little while, but let me tell you what, the enemy knows that, so the enemy will keep testing you. He'll keep coming against you. Jesus teaches us a parable, one of the most important parables you'll ever study in the Scripture in Mark chapter 4. In verses 5 and 6, he's talking specifically about some seed that fell on a rocky soil. 
He talked about the four different soils, but here he's talking about the rocky soil. And he said, and, and, and the seed fell on the rocky soil, and when the sun came up, they endured for a short time, but then they were scorched. So they sprang up, but, and they, but they did not last because they had no root in them. They withered away because there was no root in them. Let me tell you what, the enemy loves surface Christians. I know that's not a real existence. There's not surface Christians, but, but baby Christians who have not yet got rooted, yes, but nominal Christians, let me say it that way, people who are Christians in name only, which is really not a Christian, it's a hypocrite, but nonetheless, the enemy loves that because these are folks who are not doing what you're doing right now. Did you know what you're doing right now is causing your roots to be more established on the Word of God? That what you're doing right now through the discipleship process of discipline of being here and studying God's Word and worshiping God together is causing you to be stronger. It's causing you to be able to endure. But here he said that there's some seed that will fall on rocky soil and it will spring up, but it will not endure the uh, opposition coming against it because it has no root in them. And the disciples, they said, Jesus, we don't understand what are you trying to teach us in these parables. And in verse 13, Jesus pulled them aside and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all parables? He said, this is the basic. You've got to understand how the kingdom of God works. This parable is about how my kingdom works here on this earth. He said, the sower, he sows the word. And in verse 16, he gets to that. He says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. So he's talking about that particular one again on stony ground. And they hear the word. They immediately receive it with gladness. And yet they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. I don't want to be a pastor that would in any way cause you to stop at the entrance to where you receive the Word of God with gladness, but yet you are not going to be taken into the Word deeper and established because the enemy will bring tribulation against you. The enemy will attack you. The enemy will fight against you, and you will, you will wither. You will give up. You will not last. You will not endure. You will stumble, the Bible says, uh, if you have no root. I want us to be so rooted in the Word of God that when the enemy blows against us, our roots hold deeper. The Bible says be like a palm tree. Do you know a palm tree? They're all on the coastals, on the west coast, the east coast. They're on the coastal. Where is the highest wind that this earth ever faces? It's on the coast. But yet that 100, 140 mile an hour wind, even higher, can blow against those palm trees. They'll lean down and they'll fold over and when the wind is gone, they'll stand right back up. And they find that the root of the palm is, goes straight down and, and the more opposition that palm gets in its growing stages, the deeper the root goes because the root is looking for moisture for one, nourishment for one, in that sandy soil and it's going down. But it also, the opposition causes it, the roots to grip tighter and go, it speaks, the opposition speaks to it to go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. Well, I'm here to tell you the devil's going to fight against you. I wish I could preach a gospel that didn't have a devil in it. And there is a heaven one day that we'll live in and there will be no devil we contend with. But until then, we have an adversary. 
and the adversary is going to fight against us, but instead of it tearing you down, call, let it cause you to get deeper in the Word, deeper in your commitment to God, deeper on the, holding on to the promises of God, trusting for God's miraculous more than ever, and not be like that seed that fell on the stony ground. We have to learn to endure. We must learn to endure. The Bible says love endures. It says love is patient and love endures. Luke 21, 19, Jesus tells us that if you endure, you will gain or you will possess your soul. If you endure. 2 Timothy 2 and 12 says if we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. Wow. If you endure with him, you will also reign with him. So he didn't say coming to church is enough for us to reign with him. He didn't say being a Christian is enough for us to reign with him. He didn't say reading your Bible is enough for us to reign with him. He says if we endure with him, we will reign with him. Come on now. So we've got to learn to endure tough times. We've got to learn to endure tough situations. We've got to learn to endure tough people. We've got to learn to endure tough circumstances because we know that if we endure with him, stay with God no matter what comes against us, that we're going to reign with him. That we're going to be promoted into a place where we're exercising the authority of God here on earth. See, the Word teaches me that if I endure trials, I receive a crown of life. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says if I endure dry times, I will be fruitful in my life. If I endure mistreatment, I find favor. If I endure uncertainty, I will have assurance. If I endure difficult people, I will have all the friends I could ever need. So don't give in to peer pressure. Don't compromise your stance. Don't compromise you being rooted in the Word to try and have a person's uh, uh, like you or not like you. You've got to say, I'm going to stick with God. I remember growing up and at 17, you know my story. I tried to take it my life out and the Lord rescued me. And, and then I'm down on the altar. I'm all God's now. I say, God, I died and went to heaven in that car accident that was supposed to happen. But you've spared my life. I'm going to live for you. And I remember being on the altar at 17 and the Lord spoke to me and he says, I want you to keep yourself pure. And if you'll keep yourself pure and study my word and preach my word, he said, don't you worry about a wife. I'll prepare one for you. He said, I'll, I'll make the right one for you. And I remember thinking the first thought I had was 1730. That's 13 years. That's a long time. For a 17-year-old, that was a long time. For a 17-year-old, you know, that's ready, you know, to, to get married, thinking about marriage and girls and all, that was a long time. But I said, God, I died. I died on the Lanes Highway, so I know I'm now to live for you. And I said, I'm going to keep myself pure, and I'm going to study your word. Some people said, why do you have a Ph.D.? I had to keep myself busy until I was 30. And so... And, uh, and I remember I would evangelize and I'd go preach in churches and weekend revivals and youth revivals. And, and uh, I, I don't know how the word got out in these small towns, but sometimes I'd be in this little motel and, and uh, somebody come knocking on the door. And I remember opening the door and, and uh, she said, uh, you know, hi, I'm, 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 I'm Grandma Susie Bell. And I was like, well, hi. And she had like one tooth and she's like, I'm Grandma Susie Bell and here's my daughter, Mary Bell. And I was like, oh, well, nice to meet you. And I'm thinking, they're at my motel door. And, and this is our granddaughter, Tara Bell. And, uh, and she's a hi. And I'm like, oh my, this is a setup. So I was like, no. And I remembered, God said when you're 30. And I was like 20, 20 at the time. I'm like, 10 years, there ain't no way, this is too early. 
And I said, uh, could you guys meet me at the restaurant over there? And I slammed that door and I put all the bolt locks on it. And I put the chair up against the door. And I went in there and called in the pastor and like, help, help, you know. Because I knew, I knew God, I had to, I had to endure. I had to say no to what, what the enemy was trying to, to entice me with because I knew what God told me to do. you got to take what God tells you to do and hold on to it no matter what your circumstances are. I'm telling you, when, when God says, I've healed you, you got to hold on to your healing. Even though the circumstances don't look like it, you got to hold on to that and say, you know what, I'm not going to give in because the moment you give in, that thing will consume you. That thing will wipe you out. There's a war going on. There's a battle going on. And some people say, well, pastor, how do you endure? I think one of the best books and chapters in the Bible to help you learn how to endure would be Psalms 136. Psalms 136 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. And over 20 times, 20 times plus, it talks about His mercy enduring forever. And that word mercy in the Hebrew means His faithful love endures forever. Let me give you several of those. He says, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the heavens so skillful. Give thanks to Him who placed the earth among the waters. Place... Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. All of these are followed by his mercy or his faithful love endures forever. And then in verse 23, he says, He remembers us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saves us from our enemies. You may be got an enemy coming against you right now. It may be an enemy of disease, an enemy of poverty, an enemy that is literally coming against you. Know this. He saves you from your enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his faithful love endures forever. Twenty plus times his mercy or his faithful love endures forever. So if I want to learn how to endure through life, I need to get connected to his mercy. I need to get connected to his faithful love because his faithful love endures forever. So if I'm, I'm connected to his faithful love, if I'm connected to his mercy and it endures forever, guess what? I'm now learning how to endure. I got to hold on to his faithful love because as long as I do, guess what? His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, then the practical question is, how do I get connected? How do I hold on to his mercy? Well, he tells you over and over and over, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. This, the very verses tells you what connects you to his mercy that endures forever. Oh, that we would be a thankful people. You say, well, we just came through Thanksgiving. Let me tell you what, don't you let something that is on a calendar for one day of a year cause you to, to uh, segment and just give thanks on that day. We need to be a thankful people every day. We need to celebrate Thanksgiving every day. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords. Oh, give thanks to he who heals your body. Oh, give thanks to he who delivers you from the, uh, from the snare of the enemy because his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. So we get connected to his mercy by giving thanks to God in all things. Then we also get connected to the mercy of God by learning how to have mercy on people. 
Some people say, have mercy. <laughs> we need to learn. We need to practice. We need to be committed to having mercy towards others. We want everybody to have mercy towards us. But we only want justice when it's, they've done something against us. No, his loving kindness, his faithful love that we've experienced. We have the responsibility to let others experience the faithful love of God through us. That we extend mercy. And then another way we tap into the mercy of God, not only by giving thanks, not only by showing others the mercy of God, but by having mercy on ourselves. I've seen people, they will look at the faithful love of God and they apply it to others and they can see it beautifully. They just, they just have no problem with that, but that receiving that for themselves is the difficulty. Let me tell you what, that is a trick of the enemy that will keep you in bondage. That is a trick of the enemy that will keep you out of faith. That is a trick of the enemy that will cause the enemy, now working through your mind, to condemn what God has created and to hold back what God wants to move forward because you refuse to have mercy on yourself. So we've got to learn to have mercy on ourselves. And that word mercy, again, is kesed in the Hebrew, and it means kindness and beauty and favor and good deeds. Oh, that we would, we would do that for ourselves, for others, and for the Lord. Now, the third thing we want to do in order to turn our situation around is embrace God's love for you. Embrace God's love for you. You've got to have confidence that God loves you. When God says, I love you, he really means it. Did you know that? God says, I so loved you that I gave my only begotten son that while you were yet a sinner, he came and died for your sins. You've got to know that God so loved the world. He so loved you that he sent Jesus. You have to learn to embrace the love of God. When God says he loves you, he means three things. One, he means he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So you can go ahead and tell the devil right now, you lying demon, get out of here. I resist you in the name of Jesus, go. Because he'll tell you God's not with you. God's turned his back on you. God's forsaken you. God is letting you go through this. He is trying to get you out of your, off your faith track. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to appropriate or take hold of everything that has been provided through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Uh, the atonement that he's provided for us. It's, it's not available if we're out of faith and the enemy's trying to get you out of faith. God doesn't really love you. God says, when I love you, he says, I make a promise, I make a covenant that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So, so if you feel like there's a distance between you and God, you need to understand you are the one that stepped away from him. He has never stepped away from you. The Bible says, as I see my shadow here, there's not even a shadow of turning with him. So you can know he's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. Second thing he means when he says I love you is I will never break my promise to you. He said I'll never break my promise to you. He says I created you to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, uh, never beneath. He says I created you to be blessed coming in and blessed coming out. He said I've created you to be my favored ones, to see the manifest of heaven on earth in and through your life. These are promises that God has made for us. He who was rich became poor, that we were poor might be made rich in Christ Jesus, that we are healed by his stripes. The Bible has promise after promise after promise, 7,000 promises in the Bible. And what he says when he says, I love you, is I'll never break my promise with you. 
He says all the promises of God are yea and amen. So any promise that God has made here is yes, it's amen. He's not going to break it. And you have to embrace the love of God for you and realize that promise is for you. For the enemy will try to talk you out of it. Well, you don't deserve that. Well, you tried and it didn't work for you. You've got to stand rooted on that promise and say, I'm not moving off of this place. I will not be moved. If God says, by his stripes I'm healed, I'm not moving off of this. I will not move off of this. I'm getting rooted deeper and deeper because God said he loves me and I believe he loves me. And when he says he loves me, he said, I'll never break my promise to you. So I'm going to hold on to that. And, and whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation is, we have to become extra confident, you might would say, in what God has promised us. He will never break His promise. I'm here to encourage you. He will never break His promise. He will never. Come on, say never. He will never break His promise with you. Hallelujah. And the third thing He says when He says, I love you, is He says, I will never remember your sins ever again. Hallelujah. If we, that, it, I'm telling you what. We should almost be ashamed of ourselves for not shouting more. If we really grasp that concept, that our sins are not accounted to us anymore. That they, the Bible says that we are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and all has become new. The Bible says though our sin be as uh, scarlet and, and as crimson, it'll be white as snow and as wool. The Bible says that our sins will be cast into the sea as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says cast into the sea of unforgetfulness uh, so that they're never brought up against us ever again. They're not even remembered against us ever again. Someone came after the first service and they said they were in communications in the Navy and if they were down in the ship up on the bridge at night, the, the bridge was illuminated with red light only for safety reasons and other things that was red. And if they were sending anything up from down in the ship to the bridge, it could not be in red ink because when you got red ink in red light, it's white. So they couldn't read it. And I remember when we first came into this building and I would start doing some of these overheads and we had these lights and maybe we had a more of a red uh, hue to it and I put up some red words and they were, you couldn't read them. You couldn't read them. And I'm like, wow, red, I thought would pop out, but you can't see it. And when this gentleman was telling me this this morning, I said, that's why. The red over the red makes it white. So here's our, our, our sinful selves covered by the blood of Jesus, and it's not covered anymore. It's, it's, it's neutralized. It's totally done away with. It's not that if you move it there, it still is. It, is. it is gone. It's over. And the devil's still trying to hold you back by telling you and reminding you of what you used to do. You need to tell him you've got divine amnesia. You say, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't remember that. That's no longer on my record. That is no longer held against me. Because unless you do that, the enemy will always tell you, you don't deserve the favor of God because the favor of God is better than we are. The love of God is better than we are. Do anybody know what I'm saying? The, what God wants for you is better than what you really deserve if it was a measuring out to what we deserve. And the enemy plays that card to keep your faith very low so that you will not uh, take hold of boldly to what God has for you. 
But you must understand when God says, I love you, he's like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. All the promises that I've made to you, they're yes, they're amen. They're already done. They're there in your bank account. I just need you to, by faith, appropriate it. And the devil says, well, you old sinner, how can you expect that to come to you? you got to remember that God is also saying, I don't even remember your sin against you anymore. I'm not holding that against you. Where? I don't know what you're talking about. He said, the blood of my son Jesus has annihilated it, removed it as though it had never happened. It's what justification really means. And he says, now I want the righteous, that you who are righteous in Christ, to receive and to walk in the power and the fullness of what I have for you. So we embrace God's love. And when we embrace God's love, we embrace God's plan for our lives. The mere fact that God loves us shows us that he has a plan for our life. You remember I opened up with this scripture in Jeremiah where in my mind I took all of the headlines, the negative things the devil had done against me, the, the sickness, the disease, the rejection, the abandonment, and all the things that I'd felt and the people coming against me and fighting me and the poverty, all of my headlines, and I cut them out. And I said, devil, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I put together this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, to remind myself that God says, I'm telling you, this is it. I'm not even sending this through a servant. I'm not sending it through a prophet. I'm not sending it through an evangelist. I'm not sending it through a pastor. He says, I'll tell you my thoughts, and my thoughts are clear. My plans are not to harm you, but my plans are for you to prosper. My plans are for you to move into the future that you hope for. You just got to hope for it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So the enemy's been trying to rob you of your hope. But there's preachers here today to try to get you encouraged to believe God for everything that God has said He wants you to be and to do and to have and to move into the prosperity that God has for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stop worrying about what other people think about you. Stop thinking, worrying about what they think, how you look or how you sound or how you act or, or you made this choice or that choice. That's not the right choice. When you know God loves you, you're not here to serve people as your God. You're not bowing to them. You're now to serve them as a servant of God in a different capacity. So now it's what does God want? What does God think? What does God say? And now you become an instrument of righteousness to serve mankind. Rather than bowing to man, what do you say? What are you thinking I should do? We're bowing to God. Come on now. And he'll never let you go. He said, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Come on now. So what God has started in us, he's faithful to complete it. See, that's the great thing about this Christian life. We're not walking it alone. You're like, well, you're right. I've got my pastors. I've got, I've got uh, 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 fellow believers and partners that, that we're doing this together. But let me tell you this. God is involved as well. What God started in your life, God wants to finish in your life. Do you hear me? He tells us in Philippians 1 and 6, he says, being confident being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So don't reject God in your daily walk. Embrace him and let him be that co-laborer with you to bring forth the completion of that which you're created for. 
I pray as you leave here this morning and go into this week that you will have expectation at a level that you've not had in a long time. Expecting to see the hand of God. Expecting to see the miracle. Expecting to see the breakthrough. Expecting to see the pain go away. Expecting to see the numbers change. Expecting to see that door open. Expecting, expecting, expecting. I pray that you'll go out of here believing God for the God He really is. He's an awesome God. Expect things to get better. And then if the devil says, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let you have it so easily and the devil's going to fight you, you're going to toughen up. You toughen up. I'm not backing off of the word. I'm not backing off of the truth. I'm not backing away from God's plan for my life. You want tough? Here's tough because God, if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm standing and I'm going forward. And then you'll embrace God's love. Oh, that you would embrace God's love. He really, really loves you. He put you here. There were those that tried to kill you while you were in your mother's womb, but God spared your life. He needed you for such a time as this. He doesn't need your neighbor. He doesn't need the person in front of you or behind you only. He needs you. Have you given him your life? Can he use it to advance his kingdom? Can he use what he gave his very life for to redeem to bring redemption to mankind. Are you a willing servant? Are you willing? Are you willing? Oh, let's get out of this bondage of, oh, woe is me and how hard my life is and how terrible things are. And wake up to be the child of God you are, the son, the daughter of the Most High God who has, has access to the power that created the heavens and the earth to flow in and through you. To you to wake up and say, I'm an instrument of righteousness, an oak of righteousness, a planting of God for the display of His splendor, that I'm here for God to do all His plans in and through me and let it flow through me to bless those that are around me. That as you are lifted, you're helping lift those that you have influence of. You're lifting them as well. You're bringing life. You're bringing light. You're bringing hope. You're bringing joy. You're bringing peace. You're bringing the, the love of God to them. Your life truly matters. You must embrace God's love for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never embraced the love of God for you. You think, I'm a sinner. Oh, wretched am I. There's no way, no way possible. I want you to cast that lie down today. And say, wait a minute, for God so loved the world. That means me too. That means me too. So that we can truly bring forth the manifest of heaven on earth. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, we just bow our heads as we stand in your presence today, Lord God. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. Just tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you have a plan for my life. And you who began it, you're here to work in it, to bring it to completion. So, Lord, I don't want to do anything that casts you aside. I don't want to do anything that squelches you or hinders you. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice this morning, maybe you're tuning in by radio or you're tuning in by the Internet or television, you may be uh, hearing this in your ear you, you're really not right with God you're really not right with God how can you expect great things you're not right with God and I would agree with the, the, those words in this if you're not right with God if you've not come into covenant with God 
then the, 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 the verbiage of the covenant and the provision of the covenant is not for you. But I'll also go on to say the good news is you can enter into the covenant right now. God made a way for you to come in right now. He said, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised His Son Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, meaning that you surrender to His rule, you surrender to His reign, you invite Him into your heart, and now He calls the shots. You live your life for Him you, under His Lordship. You will be saved. With every head bowed as we're just praying, oh God, we just pray eternity is in the balance here right now. And if you're here this morning and you've not entered into that covenant with God to receive His promises and His blessings and His forgiveness and all of His purposes for your life, but you want to, you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You want to open your heart and invite Him in to be your Lord and your Savior right now. I want you to lift your hand for me to pray with you. I just want to pray with you. Just lift that hand. Hallelujah. If you are here this morning and you've made that covenant commitment and you've made that declaration and you've made that, that long, long life commitment to serve under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I want you with both hands to just lift them up right now, unashamedly. Say, I am a child of God. I receive His love. I receive His blessings. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And I'm not ashamed of Him. Just raise your hand. God, see, the, see your sons and daughters with their hands lifted to you right now. And I pray, Lord God, let the lightning bolt of heaven bring forth the power surge of heaven on earth into each and every one as their hands are lifted right now. Lord God, lift them, empower them, instruct them, encourage them, and bless them, God. Bless them to receive the blessing for this week, God, that they would move into this week with great expectancy. They would move into this week, Lord God, with declaration and faith, Lord God, and that we would walk it out. We would walk it out and see your mighty hand in heaven manifested here in and through our lives on earth. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise for it is in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah